0: 1 so Peter chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 13 through 25 today, so if you don't know where we're going to be at today, this seems to be an interesting question that everybody wants to ask, we'll be in First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Uh, fun fact, I'm rolling my foot over a thumbtack, so it's kind of dangerous, um, you know, so I'm going to put that up so we don't stab myself. If you've ever gone through life, you've probably gone through a change in your life. Who's ever? Let's take an example of who's ever moved houses before. Like you've moved to a different house. Like who's ever moved before? Raise your hand. Yeah, give me that. Give me those hands. Who has never moved houses before ever? You've never moved. Mac, where do you live? Okay, like downtown Westerville, kind of, or uptown. I mean, okay. So you've lived in Westerville all your life. All right. Who else has never moved? Trevor, where have you lived all your life? Lewis Center. All right. Where have you lived all your life? Westerville. Who has moved from out of state? You've come from out of state and moved. Josh, where have you been? Florida? Yeah, why, why would you give up Florida? For? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Well, I'm, that's unfortunate for him. Darian, where have you moved from? Illinois and then Iowa. So you went further away, and then you came back to the promised land of Ohio. Go Bucks. Are you a Buckeyes fan? Are you an Iowa fan? Are you an Indiana fan? Or, sorry, Illinois? That's unfortunate. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia. That explains a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. West Virginia is awesome. I love West Virginia. Uh, Jack, where would you move from? Pennsylvania. Mm, a lot of good history in Pennsylvania. Also, really long highways that are really boring to drive on. Who has moved from out of the country? Like, you were out of the country, and then you came to the United States. Anybody? There was a couple people before. Parents, so like parents, dude. Awesome. Well, yeah, not a ton of foreigners, uh, but, you know, hey. We, uh, I think it was Jack who raised his hand, and I was like, Jack Plant, where have you been out of the country and lived? And he said, Canada, for three weeks. Do you think that's moving? Now he, here's his argument though. He had all of his family had all of their stuff with them for three weeks in Canada. So is that still moving or is that not moving? Like I don't no, it wasn't a hotel. It was like a it was like a temporary apartment. Oh. Trevor says moving. Is there so is it is it based on time or is it based on your stuff? Alright, so if it's based on time, what's the time minimum for moving? Two years—that's a long time. Some people still haven't moved to Ohio. If that's the case, holy cow! All right. Anyway, when you move, though, we can agree that there's going to be change, right? Like you're gonna—you're gonna have to go to a new school, right? You're gonna have new friends. You're gonna see new people. You may be further away from your family. You might be closer to your family. My uh, uncle and his family moved from—they uh, were on the west coast for a while. They're in California, but then they're in Los Angeles. Um, specifically, and then they're in Phoenix, Arizona, and then now they are here in Ohio on Lewis Center, actually, so uh, they've come a long way to see the coldness of Ohio, Uh, but they, that's a major change, like, now I can just go see my uncle's family, like, whenever I want, you know, a few minutes away, rather than having to, you know, see them, like, once in a blue moon all the way out in Arizona, and so we have these kind of changes that go on from that, if you uh, go and go to a new school, like if you have friends at a certain school. Have you ever had that moment where you're in 8th grade and you're about to go to high school and you're like, hey, what high school are you going to? And they're like, your friend is like, well, I'm going to Big Walnut. How about you? Oh, well, I'm going to Westerville Central. Oh, I realize what just happened. You know, you're going to lose your friend there. Or the Christian version, where are you going to school? I'm going to stay here at Genoa. Where are you going? I'm going to Worthington Christian. Oof. So, you know, you have that separation. If you go to a new school, you might have to find new friends. If you have a loved one who has a disease or an illness or some kind of cancer, that changes your life, and that changes uh, especially their life, but it impacts you as well. If you have, uh, if you, you know, you grow up playing a certain sport. I grew up playing baseball in my life, and then my... Like junior year of high school, I switched and started playing volleyball, and now I continue playing volleyball, and I love it, but that's like a big change to do that. We go through a lot of changes in life, and we see that these changes can affect different aspects of our lives, but over time, we kind of get used to those changes, you know? If you go to a new school, you see new friends, you start to make new friends, and your old friends, you know, maybe you see them once in a while, and it's kind of hard at first, but eventually you get over it, right? If you... Have a, even if you have a loved one pass away, that's really hard and it really stinks to have a loved one pass away. But even then, over time, eventually you get more used to it. It kind of becomes more uh, normal. You move on. What I want to talk about today is that First Peter is going to, or Peter specific, specifically at uh, the end of this chapter, is going to call us to make a change in our lives that is not just a temporary thing that we can get over. But it's a change of our hearts. It's a change of our entire self. And that change is being in Christ. In the earlier parts of this chapter, he talks about Christ as our living hope. And the fact that we go through trials, and those trials refine us and turn us uh, through fire into something more precious than gold and silver, which is uh, God's workmanship as his sons and daughters in Christ. And so we're going to see that change lived out here, and he's going to call us to that change here in these verses. So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read uh, some of these verses. I won't read all of it, just probably the first few verses here. But we're going to read. So stand, please, for the reading of God's word, because we believe that this is his scripture revealed to us, and we want to respect that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for all that you give us in life, Lord. We are so blessed, not just here on this earth, but spiritually in the heavens because of your son, Jesus Christ, because of the redemption that you have brought us through his blood. And God, I just pray that you would allow us to live a holy life in response to that. To know your grace and to know your love and to be obedient because of that. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, main idea of the text, we're going to get through all of that passage. We're going to go through 13 through 25. I just wanted to read that first part, though, but we're going to get through all of it. Through all of it main idea of the text, wow, some, there's a lot of things that got written on my board um, that I don't remember being there. Uh, I'm so confused. All right, anyway. <laughs> main idea of the text, this place is not our home, and so we should live like it. Our series in 1 Peter is on this idea that we are not in our home If you live a life in Christ, you're living a different, changed life. And when we look at the brokenness of the world and we see the sin and everything that's wrong with the world, we understand that, yeah, this is not how things are meant to be. There's meant to be a better life ahead of this. And Christ shows us the picture of that better life. And so we live towards that hope rather, excuse me, rather than living for this world. And so this is not our home because we live for our heavenly home. And I want to challenge and say that if you're comfortable with this home, I feel like a lot of times we have this thing called comfortable Christianity where we just kind of go through the motions of being a Christian and we get through life doing whatever and then we get to do what we want. And it's a, it's a, it's a comfort, comfortable Christianity that has no action in it but has laziness and apathy. And I think we get too comfortable with the world we live in. Sure, there are good things and good blessings that we can have in this world, but to live as if this is the only world would be to ignore and disgrace the heavenly places that God has prepared for us when we uh, go to be with Him. And so I want to challenge the way we live today in response to the way that. Christ has us living in the future and so my first point uh the question we're dealing with is how does Peter call us to live in a new walk of life and we're going to have four points today I know we're completely against the Baptist tradition it should be three Uh, it's usually always three but we're doing four today I'm sorry I'm breaking tradition so please forgive me but point number one anybody want to take a guess at that I'm going to be in verses 13 and 14 through this yeah take a guess Yeah, look at that. It's like it was already written up there and then I erased it when I was looking at the board. Yes, our minds is the answer. Read with me in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that first phrase there. It says, with your minds ready for action. Sometimes translations don't really get the full picture of this uh, message and what it's meant to be, at least in context of what uh, Peter was calling them to. In literal translation, it's talking about girding your loins. Well, what the heck is that, Alex? What does girding your loins mean? So, ladies, have you ever worn a dress before? All right. So, ladies, if you wear a dress and you have a dress that's like down to your ankles, right? It's kind of hard to run in that dress, right? you're not just going like taking off script Yay like you're gonna like trip some at some point in that dress, right? Or if you're wearing heels. Like it's kinda hard to wear heels and run. Am I right? Tara's like, no, nah, I got that down. Like, okay, if you got that down, wow, good for you. But anyway, it's hard. And so you ever you ever seen the movie Pride and Prejudice or what, read the books Pride and Prejudice? But specifically seen the movies Pride and Prejudice? It's an old one. It's an oldie. But it's like taking place in the eighteen hundreds and you've got these women and it's like Whatever. Anyway, so, but when you see in the movies, they're wearing, like, these long dresses. If they have to, like, run, or if you see this in, like, the Disney princesses, you know, if they have to run with their dress, what does C- Cinderella do? She picks the dress up, right? She picks it up so she can, you know, scurry it all along, you know? Take, throw the, drops the slipper in the process, but, you know, whatever. So, but she picks up the dress to run along. What Peter is saying here is, like, hey, guys, gird your loins. So when I say gird your loins, what the uh, early, early church members would be wearing, the early Jews would be wearing, is uh, these robes that went down kind of far, but they would have these belts on, on their hips, right? And they would pick up their, their extra loins, their extra uh, robes, and tuck them into their little belts going on. Gird your loins, tuck them in, and then they'd be able to run and do whatever, right? So he's saying, get ready in such a way that you're going to move. You're going to have intention. You're going to run towards Christ. You're going to run towards the mindset of who Jesus Christ is. So set your minds ready for that. Get your minds prepared for that. How do we get our minds prepared for Christ? We do it through His Word, by understanding what He has to say, what God's Word says to us. And so if we don't, have the word consistently on our hearts, then we will be vulnerable to the things of this world. We'll be vulnerable to the comforts and the lies and the sins of this world that is not our home. The longer we lose sight of God's word on our minds, the easier it is to fall into sin. So we have to gird our loins. We have to set our minds towards Christ pointing towards Christ. And he doesn't just say point point part of your hope towards Christ or sometimes point your hope towards Christ. He says completely, set your hope completely on Christ. I think oftentimes we get distracted by things of this world that seem important to us. Oftentimes we could have good grades. Who has good grades in here? No shame. Like, good grades. Like, I have good grades. I'm going all A's right now. But, you know, that's... It's right now. It could be. It could change. Who's got? Who plays a sport, right? Who plays a musical instrument or sings, or dances? You know, I'm not gonna knock like tap dancing or something. That can be real, real cool. Uh, anybody do dancing or like ballet? Yeah, ballet. Awesome. I could never see myself doing that. That'd be hard. Anyway, so we have these things that we can be good at right? And it's not a bad thing to be good at academics. You want to achieve excellence in what you do to bring glory to God. But at the same time, are we putting those in front of God? Are we putting those in the place of God? Is that becoming our idol before God? My brother was a really good baseball player back in the day in high school. He, they anybody go to Olentangy High School? Olentangy, well, middle, the middle school, you got Shanahan? Yeah, so my brother went to Shanahan, and then he went... Are you going to go to Olentangy High School, though? Yeah, so my brother started on the varsity team as a pitcher for Olentangy High School. Uh, he played for the uh, Columbus National Travel League. Uh, the Is it the Bruins? Columbus Bruins is the baseball team? I don't know. Something like that. What? Clippers? No, not not the... We're not talking minor leagues. Calm down. He wasn't... He was still in high school. Uh, it was like a travel team, but for high school uh, kids. Anyway, so he, he was point is, he was really good, right? He couldn't hit the ball worth anything, though, Um, but, you know, he was good at pitching. So, he would pitch, and he got really good, and he ended up throwing his arm out uh, at the end of high school, but he wanted, at the time, he wanted to play in college. He wanted to go and play, and maybe even possibly make the minor leagues, or go to the major leagues. Uh, He was very good, but it came to a point where he had to put that intention of striving towards that goal over God, He wasn't going to church. He wasn't reading his Bible. He wasn't following Jesus Christ. He was simply chasing after his dreams of being a baseball player. And those aren't necessarily bad things on their own, but when we put them in front of God, then it becomes idolatry. It becomes something that takes us away from God. And so we need to continually set our hearts on who God is, even over the temporary things of this world. Alright, I spent too much time on that. Second point. Anybody want to guess the second point? I'm in verses 15 and 16. I'm going to give you guys a tip. Look down and look at the text and find out what the point is. Yeah. Our hope? No. 15 and 16. Peter calls us to live a new walk in life through what? No. I mean, true, yes, but not the point I'm making. What does the verse say? Read with me in verse 16. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holiness. Alright, I'm going to spell this. And some of you might see this and you might think, is that how you're supposed to spell holiness? I promise you it is. And you can look it up if you don't believe me. That's not a D, that is an O and then an L. They're just really close together. Don't make fun of me. Holiness. Holiness. H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, holiness. Give me the spelling bee championship. All right, you know what? You know what? Fine. All right, whatever. Okay. Holiness. Read verse 15 with me. But as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Is that highlighted or italicized or have quotes around it, that, that last phrase there? In verse 16, be holy because I am holy? Yes. Right? So there's a quote. So it's a quote, and if you even look at the bottom of your Bible, you can. I'm teaching you how to use your Bible. At The bottom of your Bible, it'll have like a, it'll have like a marker on where the verse is, and it'll be referencing something at the bottom of your Bible with the page there. It's trying to tell you where it's referencing that from. Specifically, this is referencing Leviticus. Uh, I think in this one it says Leviticus 11:44 and 45. But there's also, I think Leviticus 20, I think has it. But there's a couple of different places in Leviticus that has this phrase, "Be holy because I am holy." Who's holy? God is holy. I got God somewhere over there. Yeah, God is holy. Be holy as I am holy. First off, I just want to point out that if you, if anyone ever tells you Jesus Christ never claimed to be God, well, this is definitely a place where we're equating Jesus Christ with who God is. Uh, be holy because I am holy. And he's equating, uh, Peter is equating that with Jesus Christ. He's saying that Jesus Christ is holy as God is holy because Jesus Christ is God. Now we're talking Trinity. We won't get into all of that though. But anyway... We have this holiness. God is holy. Every year, my friend and I, we make these things called pepperoni rolls. And I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like the Tostinos, like pizza rolls. That's garbage. Uh, like, they're fine. Like, I'll eat them. But compared to pepperoni rolls, dude... Nothing. Got nothing on these. All right. So every year we will hand bake, we will make the, the dough from scratch and get the pepperonis and the cheese and all that. We'll uh, roll out the dough after making it, put the pepperonis, put the cheese on it, a little sauce on it, and roll it up, hand roll. And we made 130 of these things. Imagine hand rolling 130. Okay. Anyway, it was a long process. It took a whole day. But we made 130 pepperoni rolls, but they are so incredible, they are so good, they are my favorite food in the world now, I love them, They are just, and they aren't just like these little tiny, they're not They're not pizza rolls, guys, they're not like these little tiny things, they're like these little bun, loaf, mini loaf little things that you eat, and it's like awesome, and you can have like two of them, and it's like a whole meal, it's wonderful, I love it. So we make 130 of these, we give them to people, uh, friends and family and people around uh, the local church and stuff, and so we make them, but I, I take about a dozen of them, and I take them home with me to go back to college at Cedarville University. I go back to my dorm. Let me tell you guys something about dorm life. When you have a guy's dorm hall, so you have a hall and, like, a bunch of rooms on, in the hall, right? you got about 20 or 30 guys in your hall. So, if you bring food into the dorm, specifically homemade baked food, uh, specifically, I mean, the, the guys just swarm the food like flies on a carcass. Not to compare pepperoni rolls with a carcass, but it's like flies on a dead carcass, man. They go after that food, dude. So... Me, I take my pepperoni rolls, I tuck them in my coat, I run into the dorm. I make sure there's nobody in the hall, right, nobody in the hall, and, you know, nobody in the hall, and hopefully they don't smell it and start trying to come into my room, but I go straight into my room, I go into my room, if you know C.J. Bartley, he's my roommate, I share them with him, I go to C.J. Bartley, I run into the room, close the door, lock the door, important step, I'm like, dude, what, I got it, you got the stuff, I got the stuff. The pepperoni roll stuff? Yeah, I got the pepperoni roll stuff. When do you have class until? Three o'clock. How about you? Yeah, same. All right, let's meet then. All right, let's do it. So I put the pepperoni rolls down. I go out of the room. We go out of the room and close the door. Lock the door. Important step. Lock the door. Go to class. End of the day comes. We come back. Unlock the door. Open the door. Run in with CJ. Close the door. Lock the door. Important step. Lock the door. We go. Our desks we face apart from each other, but in this case, in this situation, we took our chairs, turned them, faced each other, sat down, opened the pepperoni rolls, and just just look at each other. No words need to be said. The eye contact, it says it all. It says it all. Like, It's it's as if we're communicating, like, oh, this is so good. Like, I wouldn't pass up anything for this. It's incredible. Thank, thanks be to the Lord. We eat about half of them in that setting. We just eat them all uh, eventually, like in, in within a day or two, they're gone. <sighs> but they are the most incredible things because they, we, we set apart that time. We set apart that moment so that we could eat the pepperoni rolls because they're so good and we love them so much. God, in the same way, is set apart. Now, I'm not, don't hear me say that God is equivalent to a pepperoni roll, because uh, it's not. But in the same way, we set apart God as the same where we want to be with God. We want to hear from God. We love God because He is holy. Being holy doesn't just mean being pure or righteous or perfect. Though all those things are true, it also means being set apart from everything else. I have this equation up here uh, someone rewrote it. I'm going to write it bigger though. So we've got God right this is an acronym that means everything else E E. everything else right. I just I'm too lazy to write everything else. So you've got God everything else what is this? not a division sign, don't worry. We're not dividing God by everything else. God, God This is a barrier, right? It's the separation between God and everything else because God is separate from everything else. Where, where is God in this equation? He's on top. Now usually when it's on top it's like it's a numerator and then you divide the numerator by the denominator or whatever. No, that's not what we're saying here. Different kind of math equation. God is above everything else because God is good. God is perfect. God is better than everything else. Peter is saying we need to, and we're down here, saying we need to be holy like God is holy. Wait a minute. How do we get through that barrier? Look at the cross. (laughs) I just came up with that on the spot. But through the cross of Christ, we are able to be Holy because he has died for us because we take on his identity. And so Peter says, Your life should change because of what Christ has done. So we should try and be holy as God is holy. We want to be set apart. What was that? What? Thanks, man. I just, I literally, like, just as I'm going, just came up with that. But thank you for that analogy. Uh, too bad the recording, no one on the recording would be able to see that analogy. That's the, that's the worst part about illustrations like that. Anyway, so, holiness. Now, look at our third point. Anybody want to take a guess? I don't know. I may not give you much time to guess. I'm looking at verse 17, like, in the middle of verse 17. Yeah, I'm not going to. You, you it'll take a while. We're looking at reverence. How does Peter call us to live our life? With reverence. Read with me in verse 17. It says, If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's works, you are too to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Bless you. To conduct ourselves with reverence or with fear or with awe towards God. Here's the problem is we need to understand the fact that we might be able to be holy like God because of the cross, but that doesn't mean that we are God. We are still in the everything else category. And so we need to understand where God is in this equation and understand that we are under Him with Him as our authority, as our ultimate authority. We can be holy like Him, but that doesn't mean we are God. That's a far-stretched statement to say that because we can be holy like God doesn't mean that we are. And even if we try to be holy like God is, we're still going to mess up here on this earth because we're still on an earth with brokenness and with sadness and sorrow and things that go wrong. Hey, who's, who's sinned like today? I think every hand should be raised because like every day we sin. We still mess up. Even with Christ, we still mess up. So we still need God. We still need to understand our place before God. So we should live with this awe in. Realizing that He is our Lord, that He is perfect, that He is holy, and that He has died for us, that His blood, that the blood of Christ has been at work for us, so that we can be with Him, that we can be in right relation with Him, and so we should have reverence towards the Lord. And then finally, last point, um, verse twenty-two. Anybody want to take a guess? What did you say? Who said, who said? What did you say? Love. Yeah, exactly. First try. Got it. Josh is just on the money. That E was tilted. Thank you. Thank you, Carter. You can actually read that. You're right. I was was afraid I was going to have to write it in Greek, because apparently my Greek handwriting is better than my English handwriting. Um, You guys know the word for love, right, in Greek? What kind of love should we have? Should we have... Agape, yeah, dude. Agape. That's Greek, yeah. Alpha, gamma, alpha, p, eta. Agape. Boom. You know, do you know the other types of love? Phileo, phileo. Phileto is the verb I love. Uh, phileo. It's not the language of God. Alright, anyway. The language of God is incomprehensible. Anyway. Phileto, love. Anyway. Well, that was just that's free Greek for you. That's like one day of Greek for you guys. No no charge. Anyway, with love, let's read in verse twenty-two. I love having fun with you guys. This is just fun just to talk with you. Alright, anyway. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, uh, one, or from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Why do we obey our parents? Because they love us. What was that, Caden? They created, well, I mean, God created us too, but yeah, and our parents definitely had a role in that for sure. Um, but they love us, right? If you have children, you don't just give them food and clothing and housing for the for nothing, right? You do that because you love them, right? Or at least you would do that. When, when you're parents, you'll understand. When I'm a parent, I'll understand <laughs> more so, but... Parents love their children, and so we obey them. Sometimes, you know, we obey them because it's like, ah, mom said so, so I got to do it, Uh, whatever. Got to clean my room, got to do the dishes. That was my least favorite chore, is doing the dishes. Got to vacuum the floor. I actually enjoyed vacuuming the floor sometimes, but not all the time. But anyway, we obey our parents because we love them. We obey them because we respect them, because we care about them. We know that they have provided for us. And so we respond in obedience because we are responding to their love for us. In the same way, how much greater is is the love from the Father? That God has loved us so much that he has died for us. And so our natural response out of love is going to be to obey him. Surely we're going to mess up doing that. Do you always obey your parents? No. (laughs) Big fat no from me on that one, guys. We don't always do that perfectly, but we know that we can have a heart and a mindset to love God because he has loved us. And that's why we live in holiness. And then also that's why we love one another. You guys ever been to school or maybe in your family or maybe here even at church? You had like people you're mad at, people you don't like as much, people you're angry at. Does that happen? You're like all the time, like every day. She's like, I want to fight somebody every day. Uh, it was last night that Josh Howard was in here, uh, but him and, if you guys know Oliver, we were at winter camp, and Josh and Oliver got into not just, like, an argument and not just, like, a wrestle, but they, like, fist like, three times at winter camp. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, they both lost. They were, they were both crying on the floor. They both lost. Um, what? Was it five? How was it five? anyway they were fighting anyway 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 they were fighting and bickering with each other all the time right they were going at it with each other at the end of camp we ended up they ended up kind of making up and hugging you know they don't fight each other really anymore (laughs) but they were upset with one with one another But Paul calls us to bear with one another's burdens. Colossians chapter 3 calls us to bear with one another's burdens, forgiving one another just as the Lord forgave you. What right do you have not to forgive your brother in Christ when God has forgiven both of you for your own sins and transgressions? I'll say that again. What right do we have to be mad at our brother or sister in Christ when God has forgiven us both for our transgressions. Guys, I've seen churches split and people leave from churches for the stupidest reasons ever. I know a church that split because they couldn't decide what time they wanted to move their service to. People wanted to move their service from 11.15 to 10.45. 30 minute difference. And a bunch of people said, no, we can't do that. And so then they split. And now they're, now they're split. Well, they, they, they wanted to have two... Uh, it's a complicated situation. Anyway, they split over a change of time for a service. I've seen a family leave because they just they don't like the style of music that people play. Or they don't like how this person plays the music or how this person sings. I've seen people leave the church for the dumbest reasons, but I've also seen people leave the church for some pretty serious reasons, too. Here's the reality. We don't live in a perfect world with a perfect church. Do you guys know a perfect church? Point me to it. But guess what? It doesn't exist. We aren't perfect people. Pastors aren't perfect people. Have you seen Matt Clark? I mean, seriously, guys. I'm just kidding. not trying to roast him. But have you seen me or Matt Clark? We mess up. If any of you guys know Frank Carl... Pastor Frank? Pastor Frank, awesome man of God. I, I aspire to be like Frank. Is Frank perfect? No. Scott Lewald, awesome dude. I want to be like Scott Lewald in most ways. Uh, I don't want to be a Michigan fan, so. Uh, but I want to aspire to be like Scott Lewald. Is he perfect? <laughs> Did you say yes? Kellen's like, yes. Scott Lewald is perfect. <laughs> Um, no, he's not. None of us are. You're gonna get in fights. You're gonna get in disagreements. You're gonna have issues with the church. But I'm gonna call you to this, and you guys—some of you guys are really young, and you don't really think about this. And it's like, oh, I'm just—I'm gonna be back next week anyway. But don't give up on the church. Statistics show for teenagers, so high schoolers. I'm looking at you guys specifically for high schoolers. When we graduate, or when you guys graduate from high school, it is statistically shown that 80 to 90% of you will leave the church. If they were growing even if they're growing up in church, they've always been in the church, it is statistically shown that 80% or more of teenagers after going through college will leave the church, either out of apathy for not finding a church where their college is or for rejecting the church for what they do and say because oftentimes we're hypocrites in the way that we act because we hate on one another but we preach a gospel about a God who loves us so I'm calling you guys bear with one another because I mean Paul's not even like dude or Paul's not even like dude you guys like need to be loving one another all the time you need to just absolutely love each other are you going to love every single person in the church every day of the week I mean, I, like, I can't go a full week without hating Matt at some point. I'm just kidding. Uh, but there are times where Matt will get on my nerves. There are times when other people in the church will get on my nerves. But I don't just up in arms and leave or like, go in a full fight with them because of that. I bear with them. Paul's not even expecting them to, not lo- to love each other all the time. He's just like, guys, just at least bear with one another. Like, at least live with each other for just a little bit. Like you go, Like, once a week, holy cow, just live with one another. But guys, don't give up on the church. Don't forsake the bride. The church is the bride of Christ, and He has called us to be together and loving one another. So don't forsake the bride. We live a life of love towards God and a love towards other people because of our new walk in Christ. We talk about why Peter calls us to live, or how, sorry, how uh, Peter calls us to live in a new walk of life. Because this is not our home. For those who are in Christ, this is not our home. Oh, we're looking towards a heavenly home. But we live now understanding that we want to live as set apart with love towards one another. But that only starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know that Jesus Christ has come down in the form of man as God, to live the perfect life that we cannot live. He lived the holy life without any sin, but we cannot live a perfectly holy life without any sin. We can't do that, and so we sinned against God. And so we deserve punishment from God, but God in His mercy, in His grace, and in His power has died on the cross and has been able to pay the debt for all of us. His blood poured out, literally poured out, when they stabbed His side to confirm that He was dead, his blood it didn't spurt out in a way that said he was alive i know it's kind of gross to think about but it poured out in liquid and water form because he was already dead because his heart wasn't pumping anymore and he died and was buried and on the third day he was raised into a new walk of light or sorry life and for those who believe and repent of their sins and believe in him they you you also can die to your sin, to die to your flesh and walk in a new life with Christ, seeing the glory and the holiness of who God is. So if you don't know that, I challenge you to pray about that, to think about that, and to talk to someone here if you want to talk to Dr. Uh, Doctor G or to me or another uh, leader or to Matt. We can talk to you about that, but I'm serious. If you want to start that relationship, if you have any doubt that you don't have that relationship, or sorry, if you have any doubt about having that relationship, talk to somebody. If you want to know Christ, if you want to live a new life, looking towards the heavenly places, talk to somebody. This is not our home. So if you're in Christ, live like it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your blood, for your Son who has paid the penalty for us, who has given it all so that we may be with you. God, let us be holy because you are holy. Let us bring love to those around us because you have loved us. And let us set our minds completely on the hope of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.